In the name of one God, Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Look, there's a monsoon outside, and you are here to worship this morning. Thank you for being with us on this Memorial Day weekend. Several years ago, uh, a former church that I was a part of, they had this educational event that they did every, every quarter of a year that was called Sacred Conversations. And out of one of those Sacred Conversations, I got to hear a professor and teacher named Alan Hirsch speak. He is also a pastor of a church. And he is a pastor who actually helps other pastors think about how their churches reach the community that they are in and a part of. And he said something that night which has resonated with me throughout that time and through, through the years in my own ministry. He said, and I quote, If your conception of God is radically false, then the more religious you are, the worse it is. Think about that for a minute. If your conception of God is radically false, then the more religious you are, the worse it is. And in that statement, we are presented with the idea and the concept of radical falseness. Now that word radical, I thought I knew where it came from growing up in the 80s and being a part of skateboard and surf and snowboard, BMX, all that culture, when somebody said, radical dude, I thought that is where the word radical come, came from, but when I looked into it a little more, it is much older than <laughs> the 1980s. The, it comes from a Latin word, and the root of that actual word is root, as in the root system of a tree. And I actually thought, regarding this concept of radical falseness that Hirsch brings up, let us use that picture of a tree. And what better as we dive into what radical falseness and on the opposite side, radical trueness looks like when it comes to God, I thought we could use these beautiful trees that as you come onto this sacred ground of this campus, just the history as you look at them, and if you really study them, take a moment to picture the massive trunks of the trees on this property and in all of Mandarin for that matter, and how the branches reach so high into the sky and how powerful the root systems must be underneath to hold up how much those trees weigh. And if you think, if the way you think about God is false at the root, then the trunk of that tree will be twisted. The limbs will be lopsided, the branches will be bent, and the fruit that comes from that tree will be of no good to anyone. In fact, it could be actual poison, bringing death rather than life. And then there's the other part of that question. Is your or our conception of God radically true? Going back to the image of a tree, from that truth is the trunk straight? Are the limbs strong, the branches full of good fruit of the root of truth. Every 
Christian should consider this question because a good number of us have been at this church thing for many years, participating in Sunday school, in Bible studies, and we've sat through more sermons that we can count, probably sleeping through a few of them. And we've been in hours of small group discussion. We've been on retreats. We've been on mission trips. And we should know something of God by now. But what have we learned? Is our conception of God radically true? Or is it radically false? Because if it is false, as Hirsch warns, the more religious we are, the worse it is. But how do we know? How can we be sure? As we hear in our gospel that Joe read this morning, I think this very question is the question that got Nicodemus out of bed in the middle of the night. Can you imagine old Nicodemus? He's in his PJs. He's got several questions of his own about God and the very nature and identity of God's scratching his head with those questions pacing back and forth until he's just had enough. He is confused. He'll put on his clothes and he goes to see Jesus for some answers. The Gospel of John today tells us Nicodemus was a Pharisee and the Pharisees were some of the most religious people that had ever lived. Their motto were the words of Leviticus 19.2, You shall be holy for I the Lord, your God, am holy. The Pharisees had interpreted holiness as righteous and righteousness and righteous living, which they did by keeping all 613 of the Old Testament rules to a T. And secondly, as a purity, which they did by separating themselves from anything that was deemed unpure or unclean. This is how they obtained the righteous life. And Jesus, on the other hand, ate with sinners and tax collectors. And he didn't always wash his hands before meals, which was one of the 613 rules. In other words, he did some things on the Sabbath that made the rule-minded Pharisees very uncomfortable. And yet Nicodemus couldn't deny that the Spirit of God rested on this young prophet from Galilee. The things he did and said were just uncannily true. He needed to know more. He would say, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God because no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. It was his way of starting the conversation and acknowledging that God was onto something. He didn't come right out and ask, Do you think my conception of God is radically true or false? This is actually conjecture for us this morning. However, this is at the heart of the question that Jesus answers in our gospel today. Yes, Jesus explains, your conception of God, Nicodemus, is radically false. It needs to be ripped up by the roots and replaced with something new. You need to start from scratch, Nicodemus. You need to know what it means to experience what it means to be born from above, or in different translations, born again. 
And Nicodemus responded, What? Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? But maybe what he meant by that statement was, Are you asking me to give up my already preconceived notion of God? He's going on in, his, in Nicodemus' thought pattern, this conception of God that I have worked so hard through the years to acquire, the one that I have spent years perfecting. I've actually been to seminary, Jesus. I've got all the answers while I was there in seminary. I sealed them up in logic-type compartments, and now you're asking me to open up those logic-type compartments and conceive of God in a whole new way. His answer, I can't do it, Jesus. It would be like trying to crawl back in my mother's womb. You see, one of the problems the people were having with Jesus in those days, and it wasn't just the Pharisees, is that he wasn't at all what they were expecting. They were expecting the promised Messiah, a political and military leader that would run the Romans out of Israel and restore to its former glory. In another part of Scripture, do you remember this scene when Jesus asked his disciples who the people thought that he was? And his disciple Peter said, you are the Christ, you're that guy, that Messiah guy that has been promised. But when Jesus began to describe what kind of Messiah he would actually be, he hadn't come to conquer and rule, but he had come to suffer and to die. Peter said, heaven forbid, this shall never happen to you, Jesus. He hadn't given up on his old conception of God, of his Messiah, But on the day of Pentecost, as we heard and celebrated last week, after Peter had taken a few breaths of the Holy Spirit, he began to say this same Jesus that had suffered and died, had been raised from the dead, lifted up and seated at the right hand of God, and received the Holy Spirit and poured it out upon his church. Let all of Israel be assured of this, Peter said to the crowd. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And you can see with that quote from Peter that this was a radically different conception of Messiah than he had had before. And it started with, and he couldn't take hold of the new one without letting go of the old. He had been given a new idea to consider about God, forcing him to uproot his root system. I think this is what Jesus is saying as well to Nicodemus in our gospel today in his questioning, that his old conception of God won't allow him to be a part of the new thing that God is doing, and that he can't just tweak the old conception. He's got to give it up. In another place, Jesus says it like this. You can't put new wine into old wine skin. When the new wine begins to bubble and ferment, it will blow the old brittle wine skin to pieces. You've got to put new wine into new wine skins. You've got to open those logic-tight compartments and get a fresh conception of God, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. 
You've got to be born from above. You've got to be born of water, born of spirit, born again. You've got to let the spirit of God blow where it will instead of trying so hard to control it. You've got to learn to follow and not to lead. I think that is where Peter ended up in the end. He followed the spirit to a true understanding of who Jesus was. As Jesus had led Peter to a true understanding of who God was. This is my prayer for myself and for all of us. That God would bring us to a similar understanding through his spirit. And let's return to the Nicodemus passage for a moment in John. And really, really focus in on one verse. One that you probably know that we hear again this morning. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What is striking about this verse is that everywhere else in John's Gospel, the word that is translated in Greek here is, as world is the word cosmos. And one of the translations that you can enter into that can be described as the entity that is hostile to God. And this word cosmos used as world. This makes the opening of John 3.16 even more profound, hearing it that way. God so loved the God-hating world that he sent his only son into it. Oh, the implications As according to John, all of God's work in Jesus through the Holy Spirit is to save us from our own folly and from our own self-destruction. In fact, as it turns out, God has no particular designs or plans for our punishment or rejection. Instead, God's only plans and he works for our salvation. God desires only for us life both in the here and now and in the age to come. And I I ask, what kind of tree is going to come from that type of the...